Seltzer Kings podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I know he was evil, Gavin, and I know he had bad teeth and halitosis. And yes, he murdered a lot of people, but there was something about him. I'd have had sex with him. The following podcast contains... You have to use so many cuss words. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you made them say, say you love Satan, but you knew in your heart that they don't. What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 382. So, you say you love Satan, and it's part three of Spooktacular 2022. We talk about the devil-worshipping serial killer that terrorized Los Angeles, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Stay tuned. The What the Hell You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Walter's Window Locks because all the door locks in the world do no good if your window is wide open. Do you have windows in your home? Are they locked? Do you even know? Because they're not locked and you are going to die. At Walter's Window Locks, we specialize in locks for your windows so psychopaths and serial killers can't get in and kill you just because you wanted a nice fresh breeze. I mean, why even have windows? They're just crime portals. But since you do, you should have the strongest locks available, and you can get them at Walter's Window Locks. We don't care if you live on the 27th floor. Lock your damn windows. Maniacs can climb walls, too. At first, Los Angeles police thought that the murder of a young woman last March was an isolated act of violence. But since then, they've come to believe it was connected to a wide-ranging series of assaults by a killer who's become known as the Night Stalker, a killer who apparently struck again during the weekend. We have a report from Nadine Berger. Police today continue to search for any clues in the near-fatal shooting of 29-year-old William Carnes and the rape of his girlfriend. They're apparently the latest victims of the Night Stalker, thought to be responsible now for 34 brutal attacks, 14 of them fatal. These serial killings, once confined to the near Los Angeles area, are now spread over 500 miles from San Francisco to Orange County. Just as before, the assailant entered a house in a quiet middle-class neighborhood in the pre-dawn hours on Sunday through an unlocked window and attacked the couple while they slept. Neighbors are terrified. Guy just sleep with my hand on my, right by my bed and a sawed-off shotgun, <laughs> which I always have. I see. Why is that? Because if anybody comes in my house, they're not leaving. The killer who attacks randomly is described as white, 25 to 30 years old, with a predominant feature of badly stained teeth. So 5,000 flyers have been distributed to Los Angeles dentists asking for help with identification. One of the ways militaries like to build up what they like to call spreed corps is to allow units to give themselves cute little nicknames. These are quite different than official unit mottos, which is usually something in Latin and talking about how faithful they fucking are. Air Force cops, for example, had Defensor Fortis as their motto. They still do. Though when I was a cop, we, we didn't use anything like a motto like that. Our, our motto was basically, Could we get another round over here? The modern motto literally means strong defense, but most people just think it means defenders of the force, which 
I don't know, I guess they think makes them sound like Jedis or something. But nicknames are quite different. They're usually a little salty and often refer to some legendary person or deed performed by members or the entire unit. For example, save the 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, Bettyo's Bastards. That refers to a small island captured by the unit during the Tarawa campaign in the Second World War. Other nicknames might refer to the fighting prowess of the, of the uh, unit, such as uh, the 148th Fighter Squadron of the Arizona National Guard, who simply use kicking ass. That is a bad word. But some just sound cool, like Strike Fighter Squadron 2 VFA-2 attached to the carrier air wing of the USS Ronald Reagan. Ah, ah, he said it! He said it! Who call themselves the Bounty Hunters. Which, yeah, okay, that sounds pretty badass, but it just seems to me unlikely that a tactical aircraft squadron from an aircraft carrier would ever be used to capture a fugitive from justice. Now, I was only ever in one unit that had a nickname. It was part of the 8th Security Police Squadron, which was part of the 8th Tactical Fighter Wing, Kunsan Air Base, Republic of Korea. The, the, the fighter wing called themselves the Wolfpack, but the, in the military working dog section, we called ourselves the Night Stalkers, which made us think that when people heard it, they would be all like, See those badasses over there? Because like we patrol the night and kept the base safe from bad guys like... Uh, Apparently the North Koreans, though, they were like 800 miles away, so we probably would have known they were coming. And also, I mean, I, I have to wonder, did it really make us sound like badasses? Or did, did it make us sound like maybe we would creep in through an open window and kill you and your family in your sleep? which is not an ideal image for a police organization, although in these days, it's unfortunately accurate. Police! And that non-sequitur intro brings me to this week's installment of the Spooktacular. Ricardo Levia Munoz Ramirez. Though, most people called him Richie or Richard or just, uh... That dick. He was known in the press as the Valley Intruder, the walk-in killer, and most commonly... The Night Stalker. Sounds so cool. You can rest assured, he, he wasn't. In fact, Richie was one of the most sadistic and depraved serial killers in history. And Richie was also big into... The devil! Although, as we're going to see shortly, the devil had nothing to do with this. Because again, the devil... The devil doesn't exist. Where to even begin with Richie? I guess we should start at the beginning. Born on February 29th, 1960. You know leap year Virgos. <laughs> in El Paso, Texas, the youngest of five kids, Richie was not a lucky child. He kept getting smashed in the head with things. And after one particular whack, he began suffering epileptic fits. Of course, not all people who get whacked in the noggin go on to rape and murder a bunch of people. But then again, most people didn't have an older cousin like Richie had. Older cousins are instrumental in teaching you things when you're young. Things like mine taught me how to steal cigarettes and some of the key differences between boys and girls. Fortunately, that didn't go very far before uh, they caught us at it. She's your cousin. She's your cousin. But Richie's cousin Miguel taught him other things. Like, you know, how to smoke weed. He sounds cool. Well, yeah, but he also taught little Richie that rape, torture, and murder are fun. In fact, showing him how they are fun by displaying Polaroids of Miguel's exploits in rape, torture, and murder that he took while serving in Vietnam. God, that's not cool, okay? Not at all. And Miguel would go on to give a live demonstration to little Richie when he killed his wife in front of Richie when he was only 13. 
After Miguel, Richie moved in with his sister Ruth and her husband Roberto. Roberto now was a notorious peeping Tom who liked to take the teenage Richie along with him on his peeping exhibitions. It was around this time also that Richie began to dabble in good old LSD and to hear Richie tell it, Satan. After dropping out of school in ninth grade, Richie would be arrested first in 1977 for possession of marijuana, which in 1977 was basically a jaywalking ticket. However, that was just what he was caught doing because Richie had a reputation for thievery. Indeed, his nicknames among his friends and family were Little Five Fingers or Richie the Thief. While working at a Holiday Inn, Richie would use a master key he was given to clean rooms to rob rooms. And during one of those little burglaries, he attempted to rape a sleeping woman in the room only to have her husband return, catch him in the act, and beat the ever-loving shit out of him. Yeah, that seems appropriate. This would be a theme for Richie throughout his entire life. He was arrested for that, though the charges would later be dropped because the victims did not return to Texas to testify against him. And it was around this time that Richie decided what so many young folks do after narrowly avoiding a prison sentence for attempted rape. He moved to California in 1982. Now, by this time, Richie had upped from marijuana and LSD and was heavily addicted to cocaine and heroin. And he was financing this habit by stealing shit. Richie would steal anything he could get his hands on. He shoplifted, he stole cars, but he loved burglary. Something about breaking into houses, I guess. Richie discovered that most people were very, very sloppy when it came to locking things like sliding glass doors and ground floor windows, and that he could slip in through them quietly, and more importantly, discreetly. And all of the education Richie had received from his family clicked and he became a very successful nomadic thief traveling between Los Angeles and San Francisco, stealing, doing drugs, and living in flop houses, cheap hotels, or failing that on the streets. Not much is known about Richie's first two years in California. Even Richie isn't very clear about them, but it should be noted that Richie was not very clear about anything and was doing a shitload of blow and heroin. But in 1984, all of these things would be clarified, and shit would change for Richie, and definitely for Los Angeles. Now look, I'm going to stop right here and remind you, this is not a true crime podcast. And yes, we dip our toes into the, to into the genre from time to time. It ain't our thing. And also, Richard Ramirez committed a shit ton of crimes. And those crimes, even by the standards of a true crime podcast, were uh, very, uh, very, very disturbing. In addition to murder, there were so many, many many rapes and many many of those people who were raped were children and i don't know about you don't bring me into this but i don't think making jokes anywhere near stories about children being raped is such a great idea what about murder oh i'm gonna do that because murder is funny as hell what i'm saying is is i'm not going to spend the next half hour listing richie's crimes in lurid detail there are plenty of, plenty of places out there where you can hear that so I'm just going to summarize them really quickly, and then we can all move on. Between April of 1984 and August of 1985, Richard Ramirez murdered at least 14 people that we know of. He sexually assaulted most of those murder victims, along with many, many others that survived. He was finally captured after police identified him via fingerprint match on a car that he had stole, and some informants told San Francisco cops his name. On August 30th, 1985, he was captured when citizens recognized him from his photo that was run in the newspaper. The citizens of Los Angeles chased him down the street, caught him, 
and beat the fuck out of him until the cops showed up. The cops took him into custody. He was put on trial and convicted for 13 murders, given the death penalty, died of cancer in prison in California in 2013. And that is it for our show this week. I am kidding. We're not here to talk about Richie's crimes. We're here to talk about Richie's close personal relationship with our sweet Lord Satan, which I am here to inform you was not exactly what people thought it was then, think it is now, or what Richie himself thought it was. Because Richie was a self-avowed Satanist, so I guess we should probably hear that from Richie himself. As far as Satan is concerned, I, I believe uh, in a malevolent being. Uh, his description eludes me, but I, I have felt powers that are evil. God, that satanic angle got a lot of play in the media during that trial, largely thanks to Richie doing cute little things like drawing an inverted pentagram on his palm and flashing it during court and, and shouting cute little things like, Hail Satan, in the courtroom. During his murder spree, he'd also left pentagrams carved in the walls of homes of his victims. They were like his little calling card. The UBI wrote in September of 1985, quote, Reports that the so-called Night Stalker sprayed satanic symbols on the walls of some victims in his rampage of mayhem have again raised the issue of rock music and Satanism as possible links to violent crime. Police have refused to comment publicly on reports that heavy metal rock music and devil worship may be a possible motive for the Night Stalker attacks. But sources close to the investigation confirmed Sunday that a pentagram, a five-pointed star with a circle, was found at a couple of the murder scenes. The devil worship link was triggered by an announcement this week that police had a baseball cap with the letters ACDC embroidered on it. It was found at one of the murder sites. ACDC is a heavy metal rock band whose music makes repeated reference to devil worship, and some say the letters stand for the words Antichrist, Devil's Child. Sources also confirm that several heavy metal audio tapes were found in a knapsack dropped by the stalker suspect Richard Ramirez during the chase that led to his arrest Saturday morning in East Los Angeles, unquote. Okay, now I'm really mad. Oh, I am mad. Because first of all, the name ACDC is referring to alternating current and direct current. The band's first fucking album is literally named High Voltage. This Antichrist Devil's Child bullshit came out of the fever dreams of some fucking Christian nutjobs. And yes, yes, yes. Okay, shut up about Highway to Hell. Listen, listen, listen to the lyrics, okay? Just listen to the lyrics. satanic that, that's fucking gibberish i love acdc their music kicks ass but nowhere in it will you find an overt call to worship the light bringer and richie wore the fucking hat one time the next book documentary that came out a year or so ago literally opens with richie buying the hat at a salvation army store which okay admittedly salvation army pretty satanic but that has nothing to do with acdc and also his nickname the night stalker did not come from the song night prowler by acdc the media gave him the name night stalker and richie liked it because it reminded him of the acdc song night prowler 
ACDC had fucking nothing to do with Richard Ramirez. And if everyone who had heavy metal tapes in their backpacks was a serial killer in 1985, every goddamn high school in the country would be a motherfucking abattoir. Some say speed metal can be very soothing. It always is for me. All right, sorry. Back to Richie and the Devil. People who knew Richie as a child said that he developed an interest in the occult early on and would often sleep in cemeteries. Less often mentioned is how Richie slept in cemeteries to hide from his dad who beat the shit out of him. Not just because he dug the vibe, which admittedly, Richie did dig the vibe. But nothing I read or saw indicated Richard Ramirez ever expressed a deep interest in learning any occult practices. He just liked, you know, the spooky shit. He was a ninth grade dropout. His understanding of the occult was what he saw on TV and the movies. Sometime during his trial, after Richie had flashed his little pentagram, talk started going around how Richard Ramirez had associations with the Church of Satan founder Anton LaVey. Anton's grandson, Stanton LaVey, recounts on Ozzy.com the instinct of Richard's involvement with the Church of Satan. Quote, By 1983, business and life had slowed down quite a bit for my grandfather, and that's when Richard Ramirez, the so-called Night Stalker, started coming to the Black House on some sort of anti-Christian pilgrimage to meet my grandfather. He'd come up to San Francisco from Los Angeles to shake the hand of the great Dr. LeVay. Tony, the house security guard, my grandfather's driver, and my occasional babysitter confronted Ramirez after he noticed someone standing on the sidewalk and staring at the house. The stranger told Tony that his name was Richie and he wanted to meet Dr. LeVay. It would only take a minute or so of his time. Tony told him to scram. Some hours passed and everyone forgot about him, but then he was back, and this time my grandfather went outside, tucking one of his many handguns in the pocket of his long black trench coat. As he approached Ramirez, he asked, What are you doing out here? And Richie replied, I just wanted to meet you, Dr. LeVay, Ramirez said nervously, and stuck his out his hand. My grandfather ignored him. Well, now you have, so now you can go. I don't take unexpected visitors. Next time, make an appointment. Ramirez said, Thank you for everything you've done for us Satanists as my grandfather walked back up the steps. When Ramirez was caught, the story became that he'd made his pilgrimage to meet my grandfather as a religious act before committing his crimes in the names of Satan. Ramirez later said that my grandfather was impressed by his intelligence and manners. What my grandfather actually said was that Ramirez seemed like a kook. He would usually add that Satanism doesn't condone murder of any kind, unquote. Which, pod friends, Satanism or the Levian Satanism certainly does not. In fact, everything Ramirez is said or did is antithetical in every way to the teachings of Levian Satanism, which again is less about the devil and more about fucking. We will cover Anton LaVey next week in detail, but suffice it to say here and now that Richard Ramirez was not a LaVeyan Satanist. He was never a member of the Church of Satan, and it doesn't take much to totally disprove the rumor that he was. But, of course, that doesn't make for a good lurid tale in the tabloids of local TV news, so no one even fucking bothered to try. But what about the trial testimony, Dave? What about the trial testimony where Ramirez forces his victims to say they love Satan? Well... From a 1986 article in the L.A. Times, I'll tell you about it. Quote, a 28-year-old diamond bar woman whose husband was allegedly shot to death by the accused night stalker Richard Ramirez testified Tuesday that her assailant ordered her to swear upon Satan that she would not scream before he searched her home for valuables and raped her. I said, I swear to God, I'm not going to scream. And the woman said, speaking softly but steadily, he said, don't swear upon God, swear upon Satan, unquote. 
This, along with the pentagrams Ramirez left at the crime scenes and the devil-sounding lyrics he left on the walls, were all part of this supposed connection to Satan. The press at the time dug around until they found some connection to heavy metal music, as they did at the time. I can only imagine they sent some poor reporter out to interview teenage metalheads, asking if they recognized the lyrics Jack the Knife from any of their songs, until someone mentioned the Ripper by Judas Priest, which was about Jack the Ripper. You know, like it says right there in the title. Richie was stoned as hell. He could have been referring to the Bobby Darren song, Mac the Knife, which is definitely satanic. Oh, the shark, babe, has such teeth, dear. And it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie and it keeps it out of sight you know when that shark go ahead play that shit backwards you'll hear bobby professing his love for the lord of lies here's another la times article from 1986 discussing things Slightly more rationally, quote, James Allen Fox, a Northeastern University criminal justice professor and author of a recent book on mass murders, said a small but insignificant number of mass murders have invoked Satanism to explain their crimes. But the one thing you can't really figure out is to what extent it is used as an excuse, Fox said. Some people may actually have convinced themselves that these executions are necessary. I don't know anyone who believes that Satan has anything to do with murder, Fox said. If a killer claims the devil made him do it, either he is faking or using it as an excuse or he is psychotic. And keep in mind that incidents of psychosis, people hearing voices, for example, are rare in all kinds of murder, particularly in serial killers. Most serial killers are sane. They don't hear voices. They lack a conscience, but that doesn't mean they are diseased, unquote. While digging around for some kind of reasonable take on all this, I came across this on a New York University webpage from December of 2000, where presumably a NYU student by the name of Jennifer Grice posted a long treatise on Ramirez, his mental health, and, his, and the need to study the brains of serial killers like him. She wrote, quote, Another element to Richard's case is his belief in Satan. Richard worships Satan, and he believes that killing people and wreaking havoc on the community as a whole is a way to ensure his place at Satan's table, which sounds like a great restaurant, actually. Richard does not use Satan as an excuse for his crimes. He's never recited the mantra that the devil made him do it. He does not think that Satan ordered him to kill. Rather, he was just trying to impress him. Other than his desire to please a higher power, Richard's satanic worship really did not play a role in the causation of his crimes. Is he delusional? Is he manic depressive? Simply said, we won't know until we study him. Richard is convinced that Satan will get him out of this and that he'll be free one day. Should the death penalty be instituted, however, Richard is confident that he will be placed where he belongs, at the right hand of Satan, the most honorable place at Lucifer's table. <laughs> Again, just awesome name for a restaurant. I, I'm going to open a restaurant called Lucifer's Table. Is it possible that Richard is the right-hand man of Satan? No. Is it also possible that Richard is insane in both the courtroom context as well as the clinical one? Yes. His flaws, he's absolutely insane. If we really want an answer about Richie and the devil, I guess we could ask the devil. Devil is as devil does. Or I suppose we could just hear from Richie himself. 
A San Francisco reporter named White Watkins did this interview with Ramirez while he was on trial for his murder in San Francisco. Do you worship the devil? Have you ever studied Satanism? <sighs> there are different sects of Satanism. Have you studied, just yes or no, have you studied yes, Satanism? Yes, yes I have. Are you, are you a worshiper of the devil? No comment. Come on, Richard. We're I can tell you a little bit about Satanism. Well, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what you got to say then. It is undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. It is power, power without charity. A Satanist admits to being evil. Do you admit to being evil, Richard? We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? I'm asking you the questions, my friend. <laughs> yes, I am evil. Not 100%, but I am evil. Evil has always existed. The perfect world most people seek shall never come to pass, and it's gonna get worse. <sighs> the great epochs of our life is when we gain the courage to rebaptize our e evil qualities as being our best qualities. What you just heard, while sounding spooky and demonic, is a ninth grade dropout's interpretation of Levian Satanism. Look, Richard Ramirez wasn't stupid. In, in fact, he was quite intelligent, but he is uneducated. He lacks the fundamental ability to critically analyze the words of Anton LaVey or anything else to the meaning that LaVey was implying and chose instead to interpret them as a rationalization for its own behavior. And look, Richie is hardly alone in this. Most of us do this to one degree or another, and almost every fucking Christian does this on the regular. Oh, here he goes again. Which is what Richard Ramirez really is. He's not a devil worshiper. He's a Christian. Sorry, what was that? Everything he says and does about the devil is through the lens of a Christian, specifically Christian Catholic dogma. All Richard Ramirez did was take all the stuff he learned in church and decided he liked the devil more. And look, I totally get that, but that's not Satanism. That's anti-Catholicism. He never claimed he was under the influence of the devil or the devil made him do it. He claimed he did it so the devil would think he was fucking cool. And all the Hail Satans and pentagrams weren't genuine declarations of fealty to the devil. They were branding because Richie believed it made him seem cool and it was a way to fuck with people, a way to frighten and control his victims during his crimes and a way to frighten and control the public during his trials. The devil had fuck all to do with Richard Ramirez because Richard Ramirez didn't believe in the devil. He just liked the devil's style. Richard Ramirez was a psychopath, a particularly brutal psychopath. He killed for sexual pleasure and sexual pleasure alone. His motives are textbook serial killer. His methods were a little different than most serial predators, but his motives utterly identical. He got his rocks off raping and murdering people. Was he evil? Well, without getting into the semantics of evil, sure, this is one evil fucker. But this was a pure human evil, the product of a human mind, human motives, and human actions from the defective parents he had to the brain trauma he sustained to the lingering effects of a human war on the people and on the people that sent to war and then came back and inflicted those effects on the people at home and to the very human desire to escape all of the problems of his lives by using drugs on top of a human mental illness that turns off the part of the brain that makes us feel empathy towards other humans. Richard Ramirez wasn't an acolyte of the devil. 
He just wore a hat with ACDC on it and liked the idea of a satanic fuck church, a satanic fuck church that wanted nothing to do with anyone like Richard Ramirez. Society is always so willing to believe that it is better than making people like Richard Ramirez. So if we have people like Richard Ramirez, it must be the work of the devil. And we like it when our serial killers and mass murderers claim the devil had something to do with it. We might have fewer people like Richie if we could finally just acknowledge that the devil has nothing to do with any of this shit, and neither does God. Because as we keep telling you this month, neither one of them exists. This shit is all on us. That is it for our show this week and for part three of Spooktacular 2022. Richard Ramirez is a fucked up topic, and the only reason we talked about it is because of how wrong everyone is about Satanism and Anton LaVey, especially Richie. I'm not a Satanist. I don't know all that much about Anton LaVey, but that is all about to change next week, or at least me not knowing that much about Anton LaVey, because that's when we're going to cover Anton for part four. So I guess I should probably research him now or something, I guess. Speaking of uninformed opinions, rate and review us where you get your podcast. It helps others find us and decide you must have never listened to this show before you suggested that they listen to it. If you'd like to support our speculative deep dives into complex topics on very little research, kick us a dollar at patreon.com. Ash, what the hell podcast? I've got a Patreon bonus in the hopper. I promise we're going to get it out soon. Now, you need to do everything that Jeremy tells you to do Otherwise, he will show up at your house in the wee hours of the morning and check your windows and doors to make sure they're locked. But that's just because he's big in the neighborhood watching. He doesn't want your house to get broken into. And so for me, Dave, somewhere a clock strikes midnight with a full moon in the sky. You hear a dog bark in the distance and someone's baby cry. Let's so, producer. A rat runs down the alley. A chill runs down your spine. Someone walks across your grave, and you wish the sun would shine. Oh, God, this is a literate Australian rubbish. Gavin! And all the fictional night prowlers on this show, we want to say, no, you, you, you really should check your windows and sliding doors to make sure they're locked. That's like the most common way thieves break into your homes. We'll see you all next week. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings podcast network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.